This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Hi, I'm LaDonna Humphrey. And I'm Alicia Lockhart. We have some exciting news to share with you. We're headed to CrimeCon UK in London. That's right. We'll be attending the ultimate true crime event in London this summer on June 10th and 11th. CrimeCon UK promises to be an exciting event with over 50 hours of true crime content in areas such as cold cases, immersive experiences, the opportunity to learn from experts, and so much more. And speaking of so much more, while we're in London, we're also going to be attending the inaugural True Crime Award. We are so excited to attend the awards alongside dozens of other amazing advocates. And we're also honored to announce that the Deep Dark Secrets podcast has been shortlisted for Best Indie Podcast. Not only that, but LaDonna has also been shortlisted for Best New True Crime Writer for her book, The Girl I Never Knew. I am so excited. Me too. Keep a close eye on our social media for updates about CrimeCon UK and the True Crime Awards. And we'll see everyone in London. Alicia Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to the Deep Dark Secrets podcast, where we shine a light in some of the darkest places on the internet. Today, we have a very special guest with us. He's a personal friend and a fellow podcaster, David McClam. And for those of you who don't know, David is the host of the True Crime and Authors podcast. He's been so gracious to invite us on his podcast multiple times to discuss our books and the investigative work that we do in the death fetish community. We're so happy to have him here today. Welcome to the Deep Dark Secrets podcast, David. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here for sure. I'm so excited. It's like the gang is back together again. Seriously, David, I love it when the three of us get together and talk. I love our group chats. I love our text messages. I just really feel energized working alongside you. So I've been really, really excited and geared up for this. And I'm anxious for you to really kind of do a deep dive 
for us and for our listeners so they can understand the research that you've done into the death fetish community, kind of tell why you got started, you know, what you've uncovered in your journey, and maybe even some of those death fetish predators that you've communicated with. Well, the first thing I'll say is I never really knew anything about the death fetish community until I read your book, LaDonna, The Girl I Never Knew Who Killed Melissa Wet, touched on it, but then strangled, really opened up the floodgates that caused me to go and investigate myself. Doing true crime for so long, I've known different serial killers that's had these fetishes about dead people, but never to the point of where I am now and what you guys have uncovered. So I'm excited to be here and to talk to you guys about that and everything I've uncovered. And I'm sure that the person you're alluding to is the one and only Jessica Brown. So I'm sure we'll discuss her too as well. <laughs> oh, I think we should just start there. Let's just dive in and let's talk about our old pal, Jess. What would a death fetish podcast be without Jessica Brown? Well, as you guys know, Jessica Brown was the first person that contacted me, I believe after I interviewed the both of you. It was very interesting because it was like at one time I heard from her and then three or four other people showed up at one time. And so I started a dialogue with her, never misleading her. She always knew that I had connections with the two of you, but she just seemed to unload to me about different things. Some of the things was recorded. As you guys know, some of the things was written. And I just felt like I gained information from her that you guys could not gain. As far as she would never come out and really say, if Alicia was drugged, that was my biggest thing. You know, do you know who did the video? Do you know what the name of the video was? You know, do you know if was she drugged? And she would never give me that straight answer, but alluded to, yeah. And just the conversation I had with her is very creepy. I don't know how you guys feel when you talk to her, but they're very, very creepy. Well, she sent me some kind of aggressive emails. And of course, she emails our podcast email from different aliases. But yeah, listening to some of the audio that she has sent to LaDonna and some of the audio that she has sent to you, it's hard to hear somebody speak so positively about death fetish and death fantasies. But she just talks about it like she's talking about graham crackers. It's creepy. And I think at this time, I would like to accept the award for being the one that Jessica Brown hates the most of the three of us. So thank you. Thank you very much. I will accept that award, mainly because I'm the one that she harasses the most. You know, I'm the one that she started this conversation with, you know, early on in my investigation into the death fetish community. She's tried to interject herself into a case that I've been investigating. That's the 1994 murder of a 19-year-old girl named Melissa Witt. But more importantly, I think through that, she sort of has shown her hand in ways that I don't think she intended to. Not only defending death fetish and the simulated films and the simulated snuff things that happen, but she's also been talking to me in voice messages and in emails about how connected she is to the shock and gore sites that show real deaths. And so it's not just a fantasy for Jessica, she's kind of crossed over to enjoying both things, so to speak. And I just, I found that pretty fascinating that she slipped up and said that. And I'm just wondering if she admitted that to you as well, David, or did she talk about the shock and gore websites that she supposedly funds? She didn't really talk a lot about them, but she was very proud and really wanted me to know that she was behind it. She funded them. She's been into 
this death fetish thing for a number of years is something that's never going to go away. The target always seemed to go back to you and Alicia. She was concerned, even though you guys were the one that had been doxxed before. And for those who know what that is, I'm sure you guys talk about it at length, but it's when someone on the internet leaks your personal information, home address, where you were, how many children you have, things of that nature. Uh, she's accused you guys of doing that. I spend a lot of my time defending you. It's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think they did that. I've asked her before, do you know of anybody who's died in these films? And she claimed she would never answer. It would go to a different topic. And as you know, a couple of things she did to me was audio, where she gave me this real lengthy, probably about a half an hour audio file that she had sent to me, which was detailing some details about Alicia's video as well as other people. So I do get the feeling that she does know, but she doesn't want to say that because she's scared. I think so too. I think she's very scared. I mean, she was the owner of one of the websites that came down when the death fetish community found out that we were investigating. She took that site down really, really quickly. And we've always wondered why. I think we know why there was some real criminal activity happening within the walls of that website. But I do think she's scared and I think she feels threatened by this journey that Alicia and I are on. But, you know, she is responsible for continuing to harass us, threaten us. Most recently, we believe that it was her that created a fake account and contacted us to let us know that we had been doxxed on 4chan. Well, I think you guys shared that with me, right? Yeah, yeah, it's hard not to wonder what the end goal is here. What is she hoping to accomplish by harassing us and doxing us? And is it just revenge? Is it something more? What's your take on that, David? I think it's more of a scare tactic. I think that she and the rest of the death for this community is afraid because by now, out of all the things that you guys have been through, the death threats, the threats in your family, she's threatening you, everybody else. By this time, a normal person would just say, forget it, ain't worth it, I'm out. But now that you guys are pushing ahead with petitions and want to get stricter laws and actually going forward and telling her, hey, look, if this passes, here's all of the obscene things you could be against. I think it's more of a, if we hit the right chord, maybe they'll just leave us alone. And that's what they want because there is so many secrets beyond what we can actually see. And I know you guys know this, that I think that goes on in the death fetish community that if it's brought to light, a lot of people is going to jail. I agree. I think that there are many crimes going on in those death fetish forums. I think that people could be trafficking humans. I think they could be trafficking body parts. I think some of the snuff films are legitimate snuff films, not simulated snuff films. As we've seen, there's murderers in there looking for victims. They go shopping in there for suicidal female. There's a lot of different kinds of crime that could be going on here. And I mean, the, the lowest form of crime that could be going on there is just human trafficking, rape, selling pictures of people that aren't aware that they've been drugged and filmed. There's crimes like that that aren't full-blown murder, but I just, I, I really feel like there's this huge amount of different kinds of crimes going on there and that that probably is the reason, you know, Jessica and other forum users, or excuse me, and other forum owners are probably trying to scare us away from this because we haven't even scratched the surface here and they don't want us there long enough to be able to do that. That's kind of my my take. Well, and they do want to scare us. And I guess they realize that those techniques don't work. I mean, you know, we've had a couple of people threaten to sue us. Please do. There's a little thing called discovery. 
And that's going to help us look at your internet history, the things that you own, other things that you've done in your life, other people that you're connected to that may be involved with criminal activity. So to me, I see it as a win-win, mainly because this is a fight that we have to partake in. Because if we don't do it, literally there wasn't anybody else out there, not really on a national scale that's saying, we're going to eradicate death fetish. And so it's meant a lot to me personally, David, that you've joined the fight with us and that you've even gone undercover in some of the forums. And so I would really just like to hear about some of that today, just kind of what you're seeing, what your impression is, some of the users that maybe you've come across. I'm really, really interested in that. Me too. I feel like you bring a perspective that's a little bit different than ours. I know that Jessica sort of formally invited you to go to some of these forums to try to prove to you that they were harmless. And I'm so curious, you know, just as a man, as a a different set of eyes here, what was your experience finding and signing up for these forums and what kinds of things did you see and what did you think about them? Well, I probably should have wrote down names, but I didn't because I was pretty horrified when I got in there to some of these that I read. But everybody should be scared. The invite was to go to various different forums. Some I I checked out on my own that I had heard about. I think one has mother in it. I can't remember the exact name of that one. Uh, Mothers.com. So everybody in there, and this is what she was trying to prove to me, was that you guys are ridiculous. It's just a fetish. And it was nothing to be afraid of. And the way she wants to look at it, like, you know, there's people that has food fetishes or crushing fetishes and people step on things. Nah, it wasn't like that. And I was worried on a lot of different levels. I'm a big professional wrestling fan. There was a number of, of women wrestlers that was depicted in various states of death. Where they wanted to, to kill them or what it would be like to strangle them or what the feeling would be to actually rip somebody's ribs out and eat them. I mean, these are things that's in there. And in my mind, I'm sitting here going, okay, if this is harmless, how far does it go? Because as you guys know, anything could become an addiction. But if you read some of these comments, I think someone sent to you guys, you know, like, you know, they would love to cook a woman and it's a exact number of degrees and what things they need to use to do this and who's going to come over to the table. You start to think, have you done this before? What makes you think of these things? What's a normal brain like? And it was horrifying to me. I saw my wife a couple of them and she was just like, I don't even know how you guys can watch this stuff. So I don't know how you guys can go through the number of years of education you guys have done, but it's frightening. And I do believe in some of those posts I was reading just because of the way they were written, the meticulousness of them, the accuracy of what needs to be done. Some of these things, you know, if they talk about breaking bones or how long it takes to strangle somebody, If you look these things up on medical websites, they actually come out pretty accurate. And so it's, it's very alarming to me. It is very scary. And I have daughters and before I was in the fight with you guys for sure. And I'm like, yeah, we definitely have to eradicate this. Everybody out there should be afraid of this stuff. It is definitely not just something that is harmless. It's definitely very harmful. I'm glad that you said all this. So a couple of things, I mean, there's so much to unpack here and I know that Alicia is going to want to too. One of the things that's been a saving grace for me is I went into therapy because I had to talk about the things that I've seen and read and heard and watched. And I had to share that with somebody and I had to kind of check myself, like, what is going on here? Why does this exist? You know, all those things that you have to go through because it is horrifying. And then I had to come to terms with the fact that we're really dealing with a group of people that are truly glorifying murder primarily the murder of young women, 
that they have normalized it for themselves and for their own little group and that they're not capable of rational thought anymore because they truly, truly believe that this is normal and it's the furthest thing from that. And so to hear you say things like I was horrified or the way things were written, it was pretty clear to me that this could be true. That's so important, I think, for the listeners to understand that we've got somebody else's perspective. But I think it's also going to be important for legislators to understand that it's not just Alicia and LaDonna leading this charge, that there are other people getting involved and they're doing their own research and they're finding out that this community is dangerous. People are dying. I don't think anybody takes it as seriously as they should. I say that because when you guys did the Cannibal Cop. I did deep dive into him. I reached out to Gil to have him come on my show because I want to talk to him. As you guys know, he's not talking to anybody. But just to listen to that case and just to read some of his book. Now, his book is more geared towards I didn't do it. It was a joke. And I'm tired of people coming after me. But just listening to your episode and doing just the investigation on him that I did, I don't know how the judge, anybody can come up with that was a joke, right? It was far from that. I mean, when you have a woman that's pegged, you know where the woman is, you know precisely the time you want to grab her, exactly what you're going to do. It's now a serious issue that he should have been locked up for the rest of his life as far as I'm concerned. Right. He traveled hours away from where he lived to go like do a stakeout, basically, to drive by this woman's house and see. I think they even sat with her and had lunch like he he had her come meet his wife and he was doing that while texting his death fetish predator buds and being like oh yeah it's you know basically saying it's a go let's come up here together and and get her and eat her i've had quite a few people come to me about that episode and talk to me about the cannibal cop and they want to start these debates about the thought police and to some degree we can't police what people think we can't do that but the difference that in this case, was really kind of what Alicia said, is that he was posting photos of real women in these forums and passing out their information and their real addresses. And he was plotting against real women. These weren't make-believe things. This wasn't a make-believe person in the forum. And so I know he got off on some technicalities. You know, he didn't have this huge oven that he talked about or the cabin or the white van or all of those things. The eventually, his oven was wrong. <laughs> but the fact that there were real people involved in this, that is where the line is crossed for me. And, you know, I hope that these episodes spark discussion like that. And I love that. I welcome that. And so, you know, by the end of these discussions that I've had with people, they can kind of see a different perspective and understand how dangerous this is. But I think until you've been in those forums, you don't know how evil and depraved it is. I mean, it's some of the worst of the worst stuff. I mean, don't you think, David? It's one of those things that just from seeing the splash page, now this is before you even get in, you, you start to feel like you're about to enter into the walls of evil. You almost need to go take a shower. That, that's how bad that it is. And then you look at the descriptions of some of these things and you know how they come up and what they're going to do. And before you even click the button, you're like, this is not going to be good. And it's not. And that's why I think that the death fittest community is afraid. And here's why I think they're more afraid of you guys. I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, but from my investigation, here's what I believe. I've listened to every episode of the Deep Dark Secrets podcast since it came out. Not only are you guys talking about the death fittest community, we've all talked about Ted Bundy before, right? Who was probably one of the biggest serial killers before he died that said, yes, this is real. You guys, we've all talked about Jeffrey Dahmer. 
BTK is always overlooked. I do believe he has some sort of a death fetish, even though he didn't go around really broadcasting that. But there's a couple of his victims that he did get pleasure from after they were dead. But you guys back it up with real cases that has happened in the death fetish community, that death fetish was the reason why these people have died. And because of that, and because you have people like me that's on their case too, that's looking and saying, hey, here's some more stuff. From you guys' post, I've been dug into Reddit this week. I don't know if I told you guys this. I've been on Reddit for years. Never knew that there was a huge death fetish community in Reddit. And in some cases, I think the Reddit community is some of the worst stuff I've seen yet. And if you guys keep putting on that pressure, I think we're going to get to what we want to, which is to totally eradicate this because it needs to go away. It's not kink shaming. Everybody has kinks. I get that. But this is far beyond that. We've got young women out here that is dying, some probably as young as 15, 16, because they go after the people that they feel like they can get away if they do disappear and they do die. And there's people that they feel like they don't care about anymore. They're preying on, like you said, young women, sometimes even young girls. We did that episode on Jamie, Jamie Rose. She was very young, but they're looking for people who are in a bad place mentally too. They're looking for suicidal females. People who are in the middle of a mental health crisis. So when we see that kind of content, we're definitely passionate and inspired by it because we really do think that if we continue down this path where we get the obscenity laws um, tightened up or make them more extreme federally, that we might be able to save some lives of women in the future. Oh, I think that's critical. And I think it's critical to bring on people like David and other podcasters and other advocates, which is something that we're going to be doing. So they can take a look at a snapshot of death fetish, you know, maybe a case that we give them. Maybe they're going to do their own investigation or maybe they've reported on or investigated stories that they believe have touched on death fetish. And we think that's so important for our listeners to hear a variety of perspective, not just ours. Definitely because we are so proactive and we're so vocal about what we think and what we feel. But we want people to understand that it's not just us. And we think that all of these different perspectives and experiences are collectively what's going to make a difference and help change legislation in the end. And I think, too, it can send a very strong message to the death fetish community. I think because so many of them are men, and they feel like they can intimidate women and all the things that we know that they've tried to do to Alicia and I. David, I think that makes your voice so powerful in this as well, because you can also say, I've seen this for myself. This is dangerous. This is evil. This has to stop. And so I think that's powerful. And those are the kind of voices that we need for people to land to this mission that we have, because that's what it is. This isn't just a podcast. It's a mission to make a difference. I will throw in there that these people that swear that they're out of the business, they, they're not people. Uh, I know you guys have talked to Chris Corner before. I believe he alluded to that he wasn't really doing it anymore. And some of my digging around before I came on here, he's released episodes that has a date as of April the 27th of this year. And it's on his own site, Chris Corner Films. They seem to be newer films. And the thing that gets me is, Anybody can get a hold of this stuff. There's really no filters. If you know the right things to search for, even your 10-year-old kid can get a hold of this. And when you pop onto a site, the first thing it says is, you know, all content on this site is role-playing fantasy only, and all content is consensual and is acted out by models of legal age. That's debatable. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's seriously debatable. 
because I think when I go over Alicia's story in my head, I've heard it so many times, you've been on my show with it, but it's a story that I keep analyzing because, and I think it's one that everybody needs to pay attention to. And that's because it shows that an innocent young girl who's looking for work unsuspectedly gets into this stuff because of money. And back in the days when you did this, yes, there was girls. I mean, Girls Gone Wild is a, was one of the biggest franchises out there and people were showing their breasts and they were getting money. But the thing with this is, is if you really pay attention to your story, that they really re-strangle, you see the grooming aspect of it begin from the moment he laid eyes on you. That's where it really starts. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but from what I'm reading, the moment he saw you in his mind, he was like, yep, this is the next one I'm going to get. And he already had it prepared if you showed resistance. And so every time I go over that, that story in my head, I think about all of the young ladies out here, because I have a 20-year-old myself. You know, she's getting ready to go to college. She's going to a Christian college. But I've sat down with her and I said, just because you're going to go to California Baptist University doesn't mean everybody in there is Christian or want your best wishes at heart. So what do you guys think about that? I do think about your story a lot, Alicia, because it does really bring, I think, all of this into perspective. Well, thank you for pointing that out. You know, I had a very interesting experience. I feel like telling my story and writing Strangled with LaDonna, I just got into deeper and deeper layers of like processing that trauma and releasing it and being able to look at it, you know, now as a grown woman to be able to look back at that time frame and see it so differently. And you're right. Like after I wrote the chapters in Strangled where I was recounting my experience of finding this employment ad and going through the job interview and going through the first shift of work with him, it is so crystal clear that he put this ad out on Craigslist for a personal assistant or a secretary, however he may have worded it. But I, I, I think you're right. I think he had that as a standing thing. I think he probably hired 15 personal assistants because I think that was his way to get some young woman who needed work. And I think he probably would host interviews like that over and over again until he found somebody that he felt was going to be a, a good prey, basically. Oh, I think you're exactly right, Alicia. I've always thought that. I felt like it was all a ruse to to lure these young women there. And then I think he took advantage to the best that he could of people like you being young and naive and wanting to work hard and wanting to earn money and all of those things. I think he took advantage of it. I'm grateful that you got away with your life. I've always believed that there was a great possibility you weren't going to walk away from that situation. And so it's one of those things that hearing your story and then investigating the death fetish community has been life changing for me. And it's brought on a lot of things in my life, kind of touch on what David was saying. It's like telling your daughters, telling your adult children, you can't ID a predator just because they say they're a Christian. And that's a really good example that you gave, David. I mean, just because you're a, you're in the garage doesn't mean you're a car. You know what I mean? It's like right. just because you're in a, in a church building doesn't mean that you're a good person or, or, or a Christian. And so that's really kind of changed my perspective. It's like I want my children, and I have seven of them, to all be aware that there are some things in this world that are very frightening and that you need to be very, very careful and be on your A game all the time 
and just be aware. So my hope from all of this investigative work and us all linking arms together is that we can also educate people just to be safe because outside of the death fetish community, there are all sorts of predators. There's rapists, there's murderers that aren't connected to the death fetish community. There's intimate partner violence, all of those things. And so I think this is just a great way to say, hey, not one more girl, not one more. Let's do something about it. And so I am on my soapbox, which I often do on these episodes, but I think it's just important to have these voices all come together. And I'm just so anxious to see the reaction from our listeners when they hear these sort of things outside of Alicia and I. I'm really, really, really interested, and I hope that we get some feedback about your participation in this investigation and in this work, David. I hope so as well, because the one thing I will point out is this has led me down other avenues. I've always been a big advocate against predators, but now I've started seeking out channels that does that as well. There's a number of channels I follow on YouTube that does that. There's actually a show right now, I believe on Paramount, where she has a whole operation where they're doing nothing but trying to catch predators. And these predators go after young girls as old as nine. And the thing is, is I think my eyes was already open to it, but just going through the death fetish community, you see how this opens up to the rest of that. And what I want the audience to know is the most vulnerable at the end of all of this, no matter what anybody tells you, is our young daughters, our young impressionable girls. Yes, there are some men involved, but if you do research on your own, you will find out not as many. And all of the fetishers is always very hell-bent on the female, what they can do to a female. Some even say the younger, the better. I read posts like that. The younger you can get them, the better the meat, things of this nature. And so I'm glad to be linked on to you guys. There is a lot more of investigation I want to do, and then we'll continue to deep dive into that because when the time comes, and I know it will, when you guys are going to Capitol Hill or wherever you go, I want to be there with you and say, hey, as a man, here's what I've uncovered. Here you go. It ain't just them two. What are we going to do? We need to do this to protect all of our young children in the world. Absolutely. And we're so happy to have you on our side in this process because there's a lot of research to do and there's a lot of documentation we can do that does support the cause that we're trying to accomplish here and just having more eyes on those communities. Like you said, you found some stuff in Reddit that we've not seen before. And I can see easily years worth of work here of uncovering these websites and knocking them down one by one. And it's so nice to have somebody who understands and feels passionately about it alongside with us. So that's like super touching to know that you're going to be there with us as we move forward with this. And I did have something that I saw recently in one of the forums. I wanted to, I haven't shared it with you yet, David, but I wanted to because it made me laugh and then it made me angry. And then I was like, I wonder what David would say about this. <laughs> so I was looking in femme fatalities recently, and there was this statement made by the owner of the website. His screen name is Bluestone, but his real name is Barry. And he was making an announcement in the Death Fetish Forum that people who have no respect for women are not welcome on his Death Fetish <laughs> community website. What do you think about that, David? How can you make that statement when your whole site is disrespectful to women? I mean, out the get-go, there is no respect for women that I've seen there. 
Now, in their mind, though, if you, I know you've dug into this, if you really dig into their minds and listen to when they speak, they really believe that this is very respectful to women. They want to say all the time that women is a part of this and they know. I think I've asked Jessica Brown this and she didn't answer back. I'm like, well, what about the women who are unsuspected? So you got the men that's sending photos of their wives or girlfriends to some of these fetishers and they have no clue just so that you can get your jollies by seeing what they would want to do with so that that's very tongue in cheek being that I don't find any respect for a woman on any of these sites. Well, we just had a discussion with someone else recently about these forums and it, and how they're predominantly male and that a good portion of the female screen names that you see are actually men. And so it's like they are pretending to lend a voice to how women actually feel about the depiction of violence against women in these forums. And, you know, you've got screen name over here who's saying, oh, yeah, my name's Trisha and I'm really a female. When we know good and well that that's really, you know, probably AWOL Nate, I'm going to throw him out there, pretending to be a female, right? So they can lend some sort of credence to everything that they're saying that, oh, this is no big deal to women. Oh, yeah, I agree. My name's Shirley over here and I agree, but we really know that that's Chris Corner or it goes on and on and on. So there's not women really in those forums saying, hey, this is okay. There are men in their role playing as women saying it's okay. So they can justify these acts of violence. The hypocrisy is humorous and it's frustrating and mind blowing. I think I say that every episode, but it's all of those things. Well, to back that up, I've talked to several women about this, including my wife. I just came to my wife and said, hey, one day if I woke up in the morning and said, I'm going to be a part of the death fetish community, so I'm not going to be aroused unless I can choke you half to death. She looked at me like I was half stupid, right? She's like, yeah, that, that ain't going to work out for me, bro. And I went and talked to some other women and like, how would you feel if somebody had an application and the whole thing is they want to strangle you, but it's just a fetish. You know, you have a safe word or they want to impale you or they have visions of this. And every woman I've spoken to has pretty much said that ain't going to work out. If they know that that's what this person is into before they even get involved, they're just cutting ties. So that shows that the brunt of the people is probably fake because they want you to believe that the woman is up for this. Now, I get it. There is some women out there that probably is into this stuff. But you will find out that more than likely, if you go to just anyone on the street and say, how would you feel if I wanted to stab you through the heart right now? She would probably run. Here's an example. Jessica X has a daughter. She's admitted that to me. And I'm not going to go into any details about her daughter because that wouldn't be right. But she's admitted that she has a daughter and that she's also told me in text messages and in emails and even in voice messages that she will not talk about death fetish or anything about that in front of her daughter because she doesn't want her daughter to know about it and to be frightened. There are some times that I have to go back and I'll read those messages and I think, have you read this? You don't even want your own daughter to know, right? You don't want your own daughter involved in this. And that speaks volumes. That tells me everything I need to know that Jessica X is very, very aware that great majority of the people involved in these forums are committing actual crimes. Maybe they're rapists. Maybe they're into child porn. Maybe there's trafficking. Maybe they work at a hospital like we've seen the morgue monster and they are having sex with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dead bodies every year. Jessica knows that this is not a normal, innocent group of folks who 
or just sitting around drinking a beer or talking about some sort of innocent fetish. She knows that because she is afraid for her own daughter. And that's a mic drop for me. I think that shows the lack of respect or care for humankind too, right? Because she's telling you, yeah, this stuff is so dangerous. My daughter's going to get into it. But I really don't care if your daughter or somebody else's daughter gets involved. And just from my talks with her, yeah, I do believe she's seen some stuff. I think there's probably been some things she's been privy to that did not end up well. I think she's seen some people die. I do believe that out of some of the films that I have seen, I think some of the people in that film didn't walk out. And I'm just telling you from what I'm looking at, I'm looking at body language, I'm looking at eyes, I'm looking at the way things are going down. I know you guys, I believe, asked some people, well, if these people really walked out, you know, where's the proof? Yeah, I think several of the films that I've seen, unfortunately, I don't think people lived at the end of that. Yeah, it's scarier than a horror movie to go through these forums. It is an absolute black hole of just depraved content. And we don't know how many of those films are real. Um, we think some of them could be. And so it's just so important that we keep spreading the message and that people know about this. And I think it just go on and on forever about <laughs> it. But we're so happy to have you today, David, and glad for you to come on the show and just share a little bit of your perspective. And I think just bringing it back to that aspect of like keeping women safe, keeping young women and our daughters in the know that there are these predators out there. And it's shockingly, it's not just pedophiles. It's not just guys who are trying to sexually assault women. There are even worse kinds of predators in the death fetish community. And so we have to keep spreading the message and we appreciate you being with us and just your support and the activism that you've gone about on your own. It's, it's truly inspiring. And we just can't thank you enough for joining us. David, I just, I have to gush here and say, I can't agree more. I mean, there just aren't a lot of people who are as brave as you have been to lend your voice to this. And I'm very, very grateful. And I think because of people like you joining with us that we're going to be able to put a stop to these death fantasy predators. So I just want to say thank you as well. Well, thank you guys for having me. Thank you for letting me be a part. I do want to say this about you two. I hope everybody who's listening and people who hasn't yet become listeners get on you guys' bandwagon. I know you guys get beat up a lot. I get really irritated because I know the heart that you two have. I just want to say I know for a fact you guys make no money from this. This is all your own free will, making no money off the books. That's going way back into all the research that you guys are doing. So anybody who's listening know that they're not scammers. If anybody says that, they're not making a bunch of money. This is taking time from them, their family, the death threats they've gotten just to make sure that we're safe. So I'm proud to be you guys' friend, and I'm proud to help out in the journey. And you guys know I'm always with you. Thank you, David. That's so sweet of you. Thank you so much for those words. And we want to make sure before we hop off here, just to let everyone know that if you haven't tuned into David's podcast yet, True Crime and Authors, and you need to go give it a listen. It's amazing. He's consistently hosting all these amazing guests and really victim focused and fighting for victims all across the U.S. David, can you tell everybody where they can here, True Crime and Authors? Sure. So True Crime and Authors is everywhere. You can start at my website, truecrimeandauthors.com. But I'm everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, you name it. You can find me at any place you listen to your podcast. 
Awesome. I also want to remind everybody that we do still need help in fighting against this death fetish community. And we do intend to change some laws. So please visit the deepdarksecretspodcast.com and you'll see there's an advocacy tab. So you just want to click on that and scroll down the page about halfway and you'll be able to find our petition button there. You click on that, it will take you less than five minutes to sign the petition. And you can even do it anonymously if you're worried about fetishers coming after you. We'll keep their attention here. You can be anonymous, but just go ahead and sign that petition and make your voice heard that you too would like to eradicate these sick films, this death fetish, and help us strengthen the federal obscenity laws so that the people who are creating these films are held accountable. Absolutely. And every single signature counts. So we need everybody's help because together we really can make a difference and we can once and for all put a stop to violent porn in the United States and in the world, I believe. So until then, everybody, please stay aware, stay safe, and keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.